0: Good morning and welcome and the Lord be with you. Thank you and grace and peace to you in the name of Christ our Lord it is Christ who calls us here to this day of worship on this first day of the week the Lord's day because we know Christ is risen it is a joy to be with each of you to share in this time of worship especially those who may be visiting you bless us with your presence as our guest but just a reminder we find registration pads because it helps us to know of you sharing in worship here at First Church this morning As we gather, we are mindful of opportunities before us for service as well as Vacation Bible School quickly approaches. Also, some words regarding the organ recital on Sunday the 28th. And then a reminder as well that the Lunch Bunch has long been a vital ministry here at First Church each Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, We can always use some extra help with that, so do attend to those words that are before us in the bulletin regarding the Lunch Bunch ministry again each Tuesday and Thursday. As we worship this morning, the words of Jesus, follow me, are before us because he continues to call us to follow him. Uh, As challenging as we may find that to be, uh, I better look forward to sharing in that word. And we are grateful to have Tim Lohman to share in uh, our music ministries today as well. Tim, welcome. We are grateful for your presence here. And I'll invite us now to prepare to worship God together. some words. Prior to our call to worship, you will see that following the call to worship, there will be a hymn sing. So we will invite uh, three hymns uh, to, for you to, um, to name as uh, following our call to worship. We'll ask you to be seated. And we'll sing the first and last verses of those hymns, this being the fifth Sunday of the month. It is a, a new practice that we wish to follow the fifth Sunday of each month. So again, we'll invite you following our call to worship to be seated and then to offer hymns Uh, As they may be placed upon your heart. I invite us to stand. Our call to worship is before us. Welcome to worship today. Bring your joys and burdens to the Lord.
1: For God hears the cries of our hearts and heals our wounded souls.
0: Remember the wondrous deeds that God continues to perform in your life. Come, praise the Lord with all your heart and soul.
1: Let our voices raise in a powerful concert of praise and thanksgiving.
0: Amen. Again, you may be seated. You're ready for our first hymn. 4.13, 4.13. First and last verses. 133, number 133. (laughs) That's <laughs> right. 480, 480. <laughs> When we all get to heaven, all four verses. Amen. I'm sorry, we, we, we were, we, you have to wait till the next fifth Sunday, so I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, which one? Uh, 527, one verse, okay. Just for you, Peg, we wouldn't do this for everyone. Oh okay okay What is it? 527 Do Lord remember me All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, yes, it wonderful. Every fifth Sunday, so we'll look forward to that. And we will pray. Our opening prayer is before us. I invite us to go to God as we pray. Lord, we want to follow you wherever you lead. Reach out to us this day. Stirring our souls and spirits with winds of your power, that we may faithfully be your disciples. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to hear the word of God first as it comes to us from Isaiah, the 50th chapter, verses 7 through 9. They are words that anticipate Jesus turning his face toward Jerusalem as we will hear when we share the gospel from Luke chapter 9. First we pray. Lord, you do stir our hearts and souls as only you can. You bring us together to lift our voices in praise. You bring us together that we may hear your voice. May we hear your voice above all others. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I have not been confounded, therefore I have set my face like a flint, And I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? This is the word of our Lord. And we invite our children to come forward at this time as Matt Hoover will lead us in our children's message.
2: Oh my goodness. <laughs> Y'all running away from me? What are you doing? Hey guys, how's it going? Getting situated? Your summer's going well so far? Wonderful. What's been your favorite thing you've done so far? Going to Universal Studios. Going to Hershey's. Oh, theme parks. Awesome chocolate. Sweet. So you guys have a lot of things to look forward to then. Going into the next couple months leading back up to school. What's it look like to look forward to something? Uh, you guys don't have any ideas? Like you could be like Definitely looking forward at something. You looking forward to going to a water park? On the fourth of July. You look forward to school? <laughs> Wonderful. Well, school does bring up mixed emotions for a lot of people. And I guess that's a lot how Jesus felt when he was looking forward to accomplishing everything that he was going to do for us, being our savior and whatnot. You see, when we look forward to something as Christians, we do have the expectation that God is going to help provide for us. Just as Isaiah was saying, he's there for us. He helps to vindicate us, which means he stands up for us when somebody's bullying us or doing wrong to us. And he's always there. He's always watching. He always, he's always looking ahead for us, too. You see, when we have God looking forward for us, he's also excited about school or water parks or being there and spending those stuff with you guys. But he's also looking forward to the days when it's not so fun. And he's always going to be there. So, moving forward, we need to look forward and expect to see God whenever he shows up. All right, let's pray, guys. Then, Father, we thank you so much for the wisdom and guidance you give us, and we thank you for looking out for us, Lord that you look forward to us, and you look forward for us. We're expecting of all the great things that you're going to do, and we can't wait to spend the rest of the summer with you. In your impressive name we pray, amen. All right. <laughs>
0: Share from the Gospel of Luke, the ninth chapter, verses fifty-one through sixty-two. We hear the word of God. When the days drew near for Jesus to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But the people would not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to bid fire come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nest, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and to bury my father. But Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of our Lord. Well there is in the Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception in the city of Edmundston, New Brunswick, Canada, a series of impressive stained glass windows. I believe we're gonna see one of those windows here shortly. The cathedral was built from 1925 to 1927, first serving as a parish church and then as a cathedral beginning in 1944. The cathedral continues to be a spiritual center in the region. Again, central to the identity of this cathedral is the placement of many stained glass windows, windows found on the first level and then later placed on the third level. About these windows, the Monsignor, at the time of installing the last window, approached a local businessman to ask him pay for the window. The businessman said yes, on the condition that he be represented in that window. So there he is, he's about halfway down to the right in his handsome brown suit. All of this religious imagery and then this local underwriter of the window in his brown suit. Well, perhaps we wonder about such an agreement. It may strike us as odd but we notice the window is in place. And really, unless someone such as myself calls our attention to the image of this man in the window, we may not even notice him. And to push this a little further, this practice of being a benefactor for such windows, as long as you, the benefactor, is placed in the window, well, that's not unique to this cathedral, is it? In fact, I was told during a visit of King's Grant shortly after arriving in Martinsville that a benefactor of the prominent stained glass window in the chapel there, known as Victory Chapel, that she made sure that upon the placement of that window, because of her gift, that her dog be represented in the window. In other words, no dog, no window. Well, we see there is dog, there is window, all of which invites us to wonder, how much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> You're pretty much obligated to say that, right? I mean, that's just, you can't let that pass, it's set up too easy. We'll sing that the next fifth Sunday too, haven't Not only this, but we remember the chapel at kings grant is named victory chapel not an inappropriate name but not the most expected of names for a chapel a name which might invite questions as to why is it called victory chapel so just how did the chapel at kings grant become known as victory chapel i'm glad you ask because the benefactor's late husband was named victor, victor. okay Now, believe me, it would not do well for anyone to criticize the generosity of any benefactor or the strings attached to such a gift. Where is the wisdom in doing any of that? King's Grant has its window, it has its chapel, a place where services of worship bless many. Can we imagine King's Grant without its window, its chapel? So a woman wants her dog and her husband remembered into perpetuity by way of window and chapel, Should we not bless the efforts of a woman who wishes to honor and remember those she loves, a woman who wishes to demonstrate such love by contributing to this place of worship? So again, in the sharing of these stories, there's no desire to demean the generosity of a woman who says to King's Grant, I'll contribute to this place of worship on these conditions. It's just that I read the scripture from Luke today. And I feel some distance between those who want themselves remembered into perpetuity in the words of Jesus regarding discipleship. You see, Jesus speaks of what it means to follow him after some interesting conversation with his disciples. It's a conversation in which the disciples at this point in their travels with Jesus demonstrate they have some distance to travel yet before understanding what it means to follow Jesus. First, we're told an argument breaks out among the disciples regarding which of them is the greatest. Shortly after this, Jesus reports or the disciples report to Jesus, "Master, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he doesn't follow with us. In other words, those who are not with us have no business horning in on our turf we're an exclusive club doing exclusive work members only outsiders need not apply all of which leads to the conversation before us it's perhaps the most momentous of conversations in the gospel of luke jesus we are told has set his face toward jerusalem He sent messengers head to a Samaritan village that they may prepare for his arrival. The people would not receive him because he set his face toward Jerusalem. Again, disciples want to assume power not belonging to them, wanting to destroy those who would not receive Jesus. And the question about the nature of discipleship is front and center. A man approaches Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. For reasons we're not told, Jesus doesn't share this man's enthusiasm, tells him the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus says to someone, follow me. The man says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, that's a request anyone here would honor, isn't it? Who would be so cold as to spurn this request to be a faithful son A son who wishes to provide for his father, as in honor thy father and mother. Why not honor the request, then allow the man to follow once the funeral is over? But it's too much of a request for Jesus. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Someone says to Jesus, I'll follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Again, a reasonable request. Much to be said for honoring those relationships most dear to us. Much to be said for closure. And then there's this. If if the man is to drop everything right now and follow Jesus, do we find it acceptable that those of the man's home forever wonder what happened to him? But we notice the response of Jesus to this request no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord, we say. But do we wish to say thanks be to God for this? Well, we know that that we, along with every other church on the Danville district, has received a a new district superintendent, the Reverend Denise Bates. We may know as well that Reverend Bates will serve as DS not only of the Danville District, but also the Farmville District. It's a new model of district leadership in the Virginia Conference, a model also taking place with two other districts. Now there are a number of reasons this model is being implemented, reasons we now move from 16 district superintendents to 14 when not that long ago we had 18 districts with each with a district superintendent Now one of the reasons She is sharing leadership over two districts. We know of course is financial Money is not as readily available for the paying of 16 district superintendents much easier to pay for 14 Why is such money not readily available? because church members are not as readily available in the conference to pay for 16 district superintendents. Now, that may not surprise you. We hear much too frequently of the decline in membership in mainline denominations, such as the United Methodist Church. We get concerned, we become anxious, we worry about the future of the church, and we wonder how to reverse such membership decline. We try new services of worship, try strategic planning, form planning committees, read various church resources. But I seriously doubt any of us adopt the attitude Jesus displays toward these would-be disciples. Let the dead bury their own dead. Forget your family. No one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, how in the world would we get disciples with that approach? I've been a pastor for many years now, I've served churches from the Chesapeake Bay to the mountains of Southwest Virginia, I've served rural churches, city churches, urban church, suburban churches, and in regard to the matter of church growth in any of these settings, I have yet to see any resource advocating the approach to discipleship employed here by Jesus. Would you sign up? Is that what you signed up for? Did any of us decide to be a disciple of Jesus because someone offered a testimony in which they spoke of the relationships closest to them being relationships severed? Did any of us decide to be a disciple of Jesus because we welcomed the idea of displeasing those closest to us? No, we invite Friends, or neighbors, or co-workers to church by speaking of the wonderful choir, the beautiful sanctuary, the friendly people, the programs for all ages. We speak of benefits and blessings found within this place of worship. And I'm guessing we say nothing about what it may cost us. And in this week before us, we will hear much about freedom, And it's good that we do so. We celebrate our independence as a nation. We speak of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We give thanks for the liberties we know as citizens of the United States. But we do so as those who have great demands placed upon us by Jesus. Jesus who says his call is second to nothing or no one. A Jesus who appears to be unwilling even to negotiate. It's a wonder any of us is here but we're here. Perhaps because we have heard the words of Jesus and we do want to follow him. Perhaps because we want to hear the words of Jesus again and to know that he hasn't given up on us. Perhaps because we want somewhere to find that strength to follow him. Perhaps because we know that despite the price we are asked to to pay, to follow Jesus, it's worth it. For as we live in relationship with him, we do find life we find nowhere else. Or perhaps we're here because we wish to live a life similar to that of a man named Anson Mount. Anson Mount was an agricultural missionary in China toward the end of World War II. While in China, he taught the people there about the raising of certain crops, but as the war came to an end and communists took over, Anson Mouth was told he had to leave. So he boarded a ship to return to America. It was a ship which also carried a great number of Jews. We remember that at the end of World War II, there was no homeland for the Jews and Many of them would travel from port to port looking for some place to live. So here was this missionary traveling a great distance in the company of those of the Jewish faith. Their travels carried them through the Christmas holidays. So one morning Anson Mount awoke to shout to his Jewish friends, It's Christmas. What would you like for Christmas? Someone reminded Anson Mount, We're Jewish. I know that, but it's Christmas. What would you like for Christmas? And finally, just to be rid of this man, someone said, well, we miss those good German pastries we enjoyed so much. Go get us some pastries. So at the next port of call, Anson Mount got off of the ship. He ran into town, found a bakery, and traded his boarding pass in order to purchase some pastries for those of the Jewish faith on that ship. Well, he did return to the States, and he had occasion to speak to various groups about his missionary work, had occasion to share that story. Well, as he shared that story with a group of college students, one student could not help himself. He raised his hand, said to Anson Mount, Why would you do that? They don't even believe in Jesus. And Anson Mount replied, I know, but I do. Well, could it be that as as difficult as these words of Jesus are, we are here this morning because we want to follow him, and we want to have the faith of someone such as Anson Mount. Amen. Amen. We stand and share the word as we respond to the word. We will share from 1 Corinthians and Colossians, number 888. This is the good news which we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ Christ died died for our our sins, sins, was was buried. buried was raised on the third day, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross, reconciles all things to God. Amen. As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. We worship God with his tithes and our offerings. uh, How much is that doggy in the window? (laughs) I can't. Invite our ushers to come forward. Let us pray. Lord, new each day are your mercies, new each day are your gifts toward us. As we receive these gifts, we give you thanks. And as we worship you, we give thanks. May you be glorified, may your people be blessed by these gifts returned unto you. Amen. We go to God as we pray. Sharing in the prayers of the people, I offer petitions, concluding with the words, Lord, in your mercy, inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, and inviting you to name those concerns that you bring with you to worship. We pray to God. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy, Here is, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Here is, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Weaver, Bishop Lewis, in nice Bates, the Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, hear our prayers gathered with those of your saints, those who surround us now so great a cloud of witnesses, praying with us as Christ has taught us. Our Father, Father who, art who art in heaven, heaven. Hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come. come, thy will be done. Be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We stand as we stand. And we go as those who have been called, we are still called, for our Lord will not let us go. We go as a light into this community and beyond in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.